Alive and Kicking is proudly supported by Classic Football Shirts, the home of classic, rare and retro football shirts. For 100% genuine non-reproduction retro shirts, head to classicfootballshirts.co.uk and use the bonus code AK90s to receive a 10% discount on your order. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than the Saturday night in with Gladiators and Noel's House Party. My name's Ash Rose, and well, first of all, it's an apology, actually, because uh, we didn't pod last week. Uh, we, we missed a week because I was overseas with my day job at Kick Magazine in Morocco. I wasn't trying to find Mustafa Haji or Yusuf Chippo for the podcast, although if they are listening, please get in touch. We'd love to hear from your Coventry days. No. So the pod was missed last week, but we're back, and as it's Champions League week, we thought we'd look back on some famous European nights of the 90s so we'll be talking a lot about Norwich a lot about Arsenal a lot about Man United and some others in between uh, before we talk to tonight's guest remember you can follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at AK90s so drop us any comment on there if you want any 90s memorabilia as always we love seeing it um, all the few new shows as well the previous shows we've been running through them over the past week so if you go back on the timeline you can look back at all the previous shows and all the players that the guys chose for their 90s CVs or if you're on iTunes just go on there and hit the subscribe button and the pod will pop into your device every week without you doing a thing um, we're also sponsored quite proudly by classicfootballshirts.co.uk at the moment um, which is a brilliant site and if you like your retro shirts proper rep, uh, old school from the actual time as i said before i've got a qpr one myself go on there and you can get yourself a 10 percent discount just by typing in the bonus code ak90s and we've still got the competition running i said i was going to announce the winner tonight um, but the guys at classic shirts want me to run it for one more week so you've got one week uh, all you've got to go do is go onto the ak90s twitter feed go to the top of the board there's a tweet there retweet it you'll be entered and i promise 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 we will pick the winner next week we'll get a 30 pound voucher off that now the homework is done on to tonight's guest and i've got three newbies three fresh faces to talk to uh, about 90s football and some european themes uh, and our first fan of the show as well which is very nice to have someone on here who's, who's contacted us on twitter about coming on it's very nice to have him on arsenal fan scott tweed good evening good evening to you you're right i'm good thanks for coming on um we've got someone here a capital canary who can't wait to talk about jeremy goss for sports pr donald Parrish. good evening evening ash how are you i'm good yourself yeah not too bad good good and finally someone who enjoyed success at the start and the finish of the decade which will and the rest of it yeah and, well, yeah, or in Europe at least which will kind of you know, kind of bookmark our podcast tonight so yeah May Night fan and from Action Images Billy Robertson Hi, Ash. good evening uh, before we do our CVs then um, here's a few things that happened in the 90s this week today the 2nd November 1994 May Night at least 4-0 against Barcelona in the Champions League so we're not all glorious see <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice what Stoich, year? yeah 94 Stoichkov and Romario scored yeah, Romario two yeah yeah absolutely that was early on for May Night in the Champions League uh 3rd November 1993, May Night travelled to Galatasaray for the first time. And welcome it was, to hell. Welcome to hell, yes. The most intimidating atmosphere I've ever witnessed in the manager at the time, Alex Ferguson. 6th November 1995, Vinnie Jones is sent off for a 10th time in his career in a 4-1 defeat to Nottingham Forest. And on the 8th of November 1996, Chelsea signed Gianfranco Zola. And we all know what happened next. Just listen to the first pod and listen to a friend of the show, Paddy Savin, wax lyrical about Mr Zola. 
Um, let's do our CVs then. Um, let's start with our fan of the show. Cause we've done a few with Arsenal before. Um, so for you, I mean, you obviously listen to the other guys, but go and sum up the 90s uh, for Arsenal for yourself. Well, um, typical Arsenal, really. Um, sort of, when I thought about this question, I was a bit torn between typical Arsenal and a work in progress, really. Um, I'll go with typical Arsenal. <laughs> well, we've been, have we discussed before? That way, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Well, yeah. it was before. It was such an era of two different kind of. You had George Graham and Arsene Wenger. It was so different. People yeah. forget about Bruce Rioch in the middle. Yeah, they said about that. It, it, yeah. Even though he signed Dennis Perkham, it's the, it's the only line that he's ever allowed on this podcast. <laughs> and David Platt, for that matter, actually. Um, so, best player, best '90s Arsenal player for you? Oh, and without doubt, Ian Wright. Um, I think he epitomised everything about. Arsenal at the time and I think uh, when you look through the spine of that team during the sort of early 90s to mid 90s Adams Wright Parler uh, I think they're close to just the normal sort of blokes off the street really and uh, but Ian Wright hands down best player we've probably ever had I think yeah it's funny because we've had a few Arsenal fans and they've all picked Tony Adams and I was really surprised <laughs> that Ian Wright hadn't come up yet I think Cy Rostin a couple of weeks ago kind of changed his halfway through the pod and said oh righty yeah 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 but Ian yeah, Wright I mean yeah. he changed a lot of or Arsenal we kind of took them to that next level didn't yeah, he he was class I mean I was quite lucky when I was a kid I met him um, at the training ground and um, yeah it was about ooh, eight nine years old and uh, we just signed Burkamp and all the players were in having their lunch. They was all having like pasta, chicken, salad, and uh, right, he just pulled up with a full English breakfast. It was just, <laughs> it was just class. Uh, it shows what a man he is. <laughs> and overall, outside of uh, Highbury, who would you go for your best 90s player? Well, you've just mentioned him just a minute or two ago, uh, Zola. Oh, really? Okay. Across yeah. London. Absolutely. Envious eyes. Class, absolute class player. Brilliant. Good choice, good choice. On to Don then. Um, we haven't had Norwich yet, so this is different. Um, sum up for the 90s for Norwich is quite interesting. The yeah, early bit was good. Absolutely. Well, I was trying to think of something, you know, pithy. and. You know, uh, <laughs> but the best we've had is Spursy yeah. for someone who... Well, <laughs> well, in the end, I thought I'd, I'd, I'd borrow some, some quotes or lyrics, I think, from elsewhere, which I think kind of worked. I'd say, you know, it, it was the best of times. It was the worst mm. of times. You know, really, uh, it, it doesn't get... You know, more work than that for Norwich. You know, he literally saw us at our, our highest ever point. You know, mm-hmm. points we'll never reach again. Yep. And it also saw us literally almost, you know, fall out of existence as well. And an amazing decline in the space of sort of two or three years, you know, from that position. So, incredibly torrid decade. Uh, an amazing one. Um, with some amazing memories as well. Mm. It's, it's quite funny how many different clubs come on here. And it's so different in just 10 years and how many clubs my own as well keep you out when you go from usually from the early into the end how different unless you're a main either which we'll get bored with in a minute of the sum up it's kind of the whole it, there's so many clubs that have different change but for you best club player in the 90s then please say F and a cuckoo best. <laughs> my favourite player um, growing up was Darren Eady he, yeah. I, I idolised him I wanted to be him when I played the best player for us in the 90s I think a guy who, if you got him in the modern game, got him fit, you improved his diet, got him off drinking cans of Coke and eating crisps just before kickoff. Um, what a player Ian Crook yeah. could and should have been. An unbelievable footballer, probably one of the best passers of the ball in English football in the last mm. 25 years and a really underrated player. Yeah. Um, so Ian Crook for me. No, sure. He's, uh, he's Australia at the moment, I believe, because I tried to get him on the podcast for tonight. So again, if you're listening, come on. We'd like to speak to some Canaries, although we have got one to speak to later on. And best player, 90s player overall outside of Carrow Road? Oh, it's a really tough one, isn't it? Uh, for me, I was always drawn, you know, Darren Eady was one of my favourite Norwich players. I used to love skillful wingers, yeah. you know, flying wingers. And for me, 
David Ginola. Uh, oh, okay. One, one of the most uh, charismatic yeah. uh, players of the 90s. Um, fantastic player to watch. Yeah. And as I always say on this podcast, I love the fact that in 1999, that lot won the treble and he won player of the year. Brilliant. <laughs> Which Fergie still got the hump about. <laughs> so Man United, go on. I think you can sum this up in one word, can't you? Sum up the 90s for Man United. Oh, well, <laughs> it's just an unbelievable sort of decade for the team or for the, for the club. Um, started losing out the league to Leeds and stuff, but the mm. Premier, well, as soon as the Premier League kicked in, that was it. It was just, just the start of this runaway train. Um, and then it ended on the biggest high ever, I suppose. Which we will um, talk about later. Yeah. yeah, five league wins, a couple of FA Cups thrown in. It, was, it wasn't bad, was it? No, it was all right. Yeah, it was all right to live through. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As, I mean, I would have been, what, 10, 11 by the start of it, and that was like the prime of being a kid yeah. kid fan. Was yeah, brilliant. that's when he, all your, that's what I think this, you know, most of the people that come on the podcast of that age, because your whole focus at that it's point is football. It's, yeah. you know, it's before I mean, other about things, it, yeah. Like it was just United. It's Panini it stickers, it's who's playing on your weekend, it's, it's you know, Merlin, I should say, at that age, but yeah. So, Gordon, then who do you pick? Have you, is there any one for you? See, club player for the for the for that period in the nineties, there were so many. Um, but it was I put it down to like we had gigs for the sheer fact that he lasted twenty yeah. twenty odd years. Unbelievable! I yeah. mean, you'll never get a player doing no, that. No, never, never. Um, or win as many league titles as no. And then you've got the early part. You had Robson, who was like an international legend. Nobody. I know. I know. So <laughs> I, I went with a fellow like you wanted to be, and who you'd be down down a rec- down a playing field, kicking a ball. Be Cantona. Had to be Cantona. Yeah, had to be Cantona. Yeah. He's, he's a popular choice, both club and overall. So you have to go outside of Old Trafford for your yeah. Though, See, so. that was. I mean, it would have been Cantona, but um, <laughs> uh, the, again, the nineties. We're blessed with like great players, like just true players. So I mean, you could have got a Janino, Tony Adams. I think was a <laughs> yeah. absolutely most players will, or most people will go for like those midfielders. Adams would have been, yeah. But I'd go Letizia. Okay, again, a popular choice. He's just just class, yeah. and he's just a shocker that Carlton Palmer's got more international. <laughs> <laughs> Caps than he has. That blame game. So is Andy Sinton, but there's no there's no shame in that either. Um, but Matt, Matt did he say no? He is, he is a popular choice, and I like that you've almost named a, a team of the nineties there in your, in your <laughs> which is great because we can we'll pick that up at another time. But we're going to stick with you because the first European night we're going to speak about was right at the start of the decade and the first season after the European ban. And I think it's one that doesn't really get talked about a lot as well because when you look at it on paper as well, the Barcelona team that Main I beat in the nineteen ninety one Cup Winners Cup final. Were no mugs? No, uh, I mean, uh, I can't remember the exact sort of team that they put out and stuff, but for back then, yeah, I mean... Well, a year later, they won the European Cup. Anytime you're going to face Barca, you know you're going to find find a decent 11. Um, And be away, well, was it in Rotterdam or something like that? it was in Rotterdam, yeah. Um, And actually outplayed them, I think. I've seen... Mm. I mean, you only... Being 11, I remember watching it on the portable in, the, in my bedroom and stuff. But um, and there's two visions I always remember, and that's hugely smashing in the winner from yeah. a ridiculous angle and Mike Freeland's dodgy tashing receding hair. Yeah, more hair on his lip than they did on his yeah. head. Yeah, um, but yeah, that, and that started it all off. I mean, to be fair, I think more English teams should have won that cup winners' cup for as long as it runs because yeah. there were some 
Rugby. Odd winners. Yeah. There, there was not great size in it. Or they should have, more English clubs should have got to that final yeah. than they did. Well, it's a tournament that doesn't exist, but I've, I mean, I'm going to go outside the 90s. I do often do this to compare it to modern day, but if it did exist, I think they'd be more interested in a Cup Winners' Cup than currently is whatever state the Europa League's in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you think, Don, of that sort of analogy? Because. They got rid of it because of the... But I, I would argue yeah. that probably now having those two separate knockout competitions might be better. Yeah, maybe, but you've got to look at the calibre of some of the clubs that were in mm. the likes of the Cup Winners' Cup yeah. or yeah. the UEFA Cup back in the day. You know, you've got clubs who, who were kind of uh, put into those competitions then who would be walking into... They'd probably be seeded for the Champions League now, mm. you know. And, yeah, I guess that was just the nature of European football then, you know, and how much harder it was to kind of qualify. And, and, the, and the quality of some of those teams, you know, it really really was something different wasn't it it'd be very interesting to see a format like that you know something I'd, I'd love to see yeah. be a return certainly if there was a second European competition like the Europa Cup is now just make that a straight knockout for yeah. the yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. it should be a knockout I think the group if, stages, if you've got yes. the Champions League and, and the problem with the Champions League these days as well is when that third team get yeah. knocked into yeah. the you know, they don't want to be there yeah. no. but that's an argument for another podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag keep it 90s well yeah I mean what I didn't realise about the main United game is they beat Wrexham on the way yeah to the, which Wrexham. is some, really some really yeah in a cup winners cup that, that's yeah. how far because you see teams like that now who win the Welsh Cup and even to a certain extent the Scottish Cup they don't get that far in the no. Europa League because it's too hard but, it, it gave lesser clubs a yeah. chance and they well their cup final would be going to Old Trafford or Barcelona or something like that yeah. back then. But, I mean, I, I looked at some of the, the clubs that they beat. Uh, right, Montpellier was... Uh, I always remember as a kid that was so French-sounding. <laughs> I just French remember Valderrama's hair. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Waddle. But, yeah, um, Wrexham as well and, and, and other clubs, as well, it's, it was just... Weird to see some of them clubs in, in Europe as mm. well. Well, fair play to them. They, yeah. they, they did what they needed to do to get there. But um, yeah, some of the clubs that they beat on the way, um, it was only really Barca because I think they, they scored a fair few goals on the way to the final. Yeah, but no, it was a good victory. We'll stick with the Cup Winners' Cup and we'll go back, not really in, in to back to the '93 and Norwich a bit later on because. Uh, 94 was the Arsenal year also won the same competition and again against a really really good Palmer team yeah I mean I think on the night there was we rode our luck big time on that night and uh, when you look at the the team that Palmer put out there were three or four world class yeah. players well, the, the, the front three were then? Thomas Brolin Tino Espira and Gianfranco Zola that's ridiculous <laughs> yeah and then they had Cincini at the back he was a well I thought he was world class player at the time as well but um, then you look at the Arsenal side and I think the midfield was the, one of the youngest midfields ever put out yep. in a, Ian Selly played <laughs> and his career his career went downhill after that yeah. so you know um, but yeah that night was just it's one of my earliest childhood memories that I can recall like minute by minute mm. um, and it probably was made even sweeter by when Alan Smith scored the the goal, sliding across the living room floor and whacking myself into the uh, into the display unit, much, <laughs> much to my Chelsea supporting dad's disgust. Um, so yeah, no, it was a great night. And it was only twenty minutes in as well that goal. I always think for people forget how early in the yeah. game that smudger goal was, and it's probably the height of that t- defence to, to keep out such a world class team. Yeah, I know Palmer hit the post at one point in that game. Yeah. Yeah, there was no way we should really have won that that night. But we'll take a win and we'll take the cup. 
you know, it was a, it was a great result. I great think had Palmer won that game with a Spreer and uh, Brolin up front, it would be interesting to see what the bar bill was like uh, <laughs> for the afterparty. Or the Yorkshire Pud bit. Oh, he hadn't yeah. discovered Yorkshire Puds <laughs> by that point, had he, Thomas Brolin? But again, it's an, it was another, I mean, I have to mention the following year as well. Year. <laughs> <laughs> Just because, again, it got Arsenal to a final in the same competition. All right, it didn't end quite as glorious, but it showed how more enjoyable European football, if it wasn't the European Cup slash Champions League, was back then because you could get to a final without a ridiculously boring group stage and knock out football. Yeah, I mean, I think teams took it a bit more seriously yeah. in terms of, you know, in comparison to the Europa League in the modern day game. Um, but yeah, to get to another cup final, I think it showed the pedigree that we had. And uh, yeah, it was a fluke goal in 95 that obviously <laughs> we lost to. That's what Arsenal fans call it. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect Tottenham fans might call it something else. I think he might have been across to you. Oh yeah, David Seaman, he's not had he's got you know, he's got form of it going over his head. Um, going back to that May United game, there's something that I you were talking about your um, memory of it watching a portable box. I remember watching it. Um, downstairs with my dad and at the time he just decided to get cable TV which was like hugely exciting and the woman came round to go through like they did what you would get and what is it during the game so <laughs> it's me and my dad trying to watch this European Cup final and this is a woman telling me all about cable and wireless well not me because I was like 10 but my dad and he really wasn't listening to her but it just, I just I can actually see the vision of the woman talking we're both going uh-huh uh-huh because we're just watching this game bizarre absolutely bizarre <laughs> Right, we will talk Norwich in just a second, but before that, we're going to talk to a guest who uh, played for Norwich, not quite in the, the glory season of 93, a bit further on, but did also play for Leeds uh, in the famous Battle of Britain. So we can talk to a former defender, John Newsom. John Newsom, welcome to Alive and Kicking. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on. We're going to take you back then to the 90s, and I think the beginning of the 90s is quite a, a memorable way to start for you because you were part of that famous Leeds team that, that won the last first division. Uh, tell us about what your, what your memories of that and, and that squad. Yeah, it was my um, my first year at Leeds. I'd, um, I'd, I'd left Sheffield Wednesday and, and was lucky enough for uh, Howard Wilkins to sign me at Leeds. Um, Truth be known, I, I, I had a bit of a nightmare to begin with. Really, I had, a, I had a bit of a knee injury and kept me out for about three or four months. Uh, managed to get fit and, and get back into the uh, into the squad, um, and was just uh, as a young lad just delighted to, to to be involved in a in a football team that had got such fabulous players as, as what we had. You know, Strachan and McAllister, Batty, Speed, Dorigo, Lukic, people like that. Just just incredible footballers really and, and just really lucky to be a part of it really um, and thankfully for me um, I, I managed to get involved in the last sort of like 10 dozen game, uh, ten to a dozen games and uh, which was the running and, and, and we, we managed to secure the, the championship and you know as a 20-21 year old lad it was uh, everything that you dream of really Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And in the, f- the following season, also European football, um, we're talking European nights tonight actually on the podcast. I and mean, you, you were involved in quite a famous one of that decade, which was the first kind of Battle of Britain. Obviously, it didn't end too well for the Leeds guys, but was it w- amazing atmosphere at Ibrox and, a, and a, such a massive game to play in? Yeah, I, I mean, it was. It was. It, I mean, it was a, quite a bizarre um, experience, really, because the, I think that the, in the round before we played Stuttgart and they'd um, eventually. It got found out that mm. they played a, a foreigner too many or something, and uh, and we had this one-off game at, at the New Camp against Stuttgart on a Friday night where there were probably about twenty thousand people there, but it was literally like playing in a reserve game. 
um, because the stadium was so big and uh, we, we got through that. Uh, drew um, Rangers went up, went up to um, to Ibrox, and um, if you uh, if you can recall, there was n- they'd made they'd banned away fans. Yeah. So there were no Leeds United fans in the ground, or, or supposedly not anyway. Um, and the the roar, the sound just before we kicked off, I've never heard anything like it in my life. It was it was it was literally deafening. You could not hear yourself speak. Um, and then within a minute, Gary McAllister's it's a superb volley into the top corner where one mil up the place. You could hear a pin drop, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, it was just amazing, and then and then all of a sudden you could hear our bench shouting, and there was a, the odd odd supporter who'd obviously jumped up and and and, and you know um, was a bit braver than most other people, I think. But uh, but yeah, just um, just a fabulous experience for me. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get through that that tie for one reason or another, and uh, and then, you know that was the end of it. But uh, but yeah, you, you know, really proud to, to say, you know play play European football really. Good, good. And you must have played with um, Eric Cantona at Leeds. You must have a Cantona story that you can possibly share with us and what a cock character he was. Uh, yeah, I mean Eric. Eric was 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 great with us. He, you know, he came in. Um, he, he he did well. He played he played some you know some important games and scored a couple of important goals for us. Um, and, and and you know he did really well. And then obviously the following season um, he had his fallout with with Howard. Um, uh, and then and all of a sudden he'd gone but uh, but yeah great lad um, joined him with the lads you know when we went out we went out for a beer back in those days he'd, he'd come out with the lads and, and, and yeah yeah he joined in you know he wasn't he wasn't sort of like um, a loop or anything yeah yeah he was he was alright he, he put his hand in his pocket and, <laughs> and stand his corner as such yeah so, so yeah 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 good guy Mm. What happened, do you think, at Leeds that's the season following the Championship? Because you guys were so brilliant the season before, then then struggled a slight. Was it, do you think, the, the European distraction or the Cantona leaving? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I, I mean, looking back, I don't know whether, I don't know whether we'd all, all sort of like, maybe maybe just got a little bit ahead of ourselves mm. and thought, oh, you know, we've won the, we've won the title this year. And, um, you know, and I think that, you know, in my own personal point of view, looking back, in, in, in the way that things went in pre-season, that kind of thing, um, that could well have been the situation. Some like, a couple of people I know have spoken about the the back pass rule, which is ch- which changed, but I, you know I can't I, I, don't, I don't I don't see that as a um, as a reason really. Um, but we just couldn't win away from home. We you know um, and, and it was it was a bit of a disastrous season really. Um, you know, especially off coming off the back of such a successful one the year before. You moved on to Norwich after that, and you've you had some good times there because you were Player of the Year. What do you remember about your time at Carrow Road? Yeah, I loved it. Loved my time down at Norwich. Um, you know, it was a di- to- totally different um, setup and, 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 and feeling for me as a player going in there. Um, you know, at Leeds, I always felt that I was not necessarily like a 100% part of the of, of the setup there and you know quite easily got dropped um for for certain games which I, you know I, I didn't feel at the time was deserved um walked into Norwich and and they did spend quite a bit of money on me and, and made me their record signing gave me the captain's armband and uh, and effectively you know I, I, I was sort of like one of the first names on the team sheet and, and I enjoyed that and, and I enjoyed the responsibility of that if I'm honest with you um, and I think 
you know, probably played my best football down there for, for the couple of years I was there and, and, and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed myself. Great club, great fans. Um, and, and, you know, delighted that they're up in the Premier League again and, and, you know, just hope that they can stay there this year. Yeah. You joined the season after they did. We're, we're about to talk about that famous night that Norwich beat Bayern Munich in Munich. A lot of the same players are still at the club. Did they talk about that night and did it kind of live long in, in the Norwich sort of folklore when, even though when you were there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, again, just a, a fabulous bunch of lads, you know. Jeremy Goss scored that volley and, uh, a, a, you know, great night, a great night for the more for everybody concerned, really. Um, and, and yeah, you know, I, I, they, they did they did talk about it, but they didn't boast about it. They just talked about it in a proud way, you know, when you asked them, and uh, and, and obviously, you know, we're concentrating on, on, on what we got in front of us, you know, the following year. But but yeah, um, you know, just to reiterate, really, a fabulous club and a fabulous. Um, set up and, and a great place to live as well you know uh, I really enjoyed my time down there Good stuff If you look back at your career then you've mentioned some big names there already who would you say then especially of that era the 90s wh- wh- who'd be the best player you played against and played with? Uh, played against oh, difficult one really you know um, Shearer uh, obviously played against Cantona played with Cantona um, played against when I was at Leeds we went out and did um, um like a, a winter break mm. uh, and had a couple of games out in Italy uh, I played against Gabriel Battistuta oh. uh, at Fiorentina who obviously you know is, is you know one of the greatest players around really yeah. so so yeah I was yeah lucky you know I look back now and think you know at the time it's, it's, it's I suppose it's you know the norm as such because that's that's what you're involved in that's what you're doing but but you know I look back now with fond, really fond memories and uh, you know, and just you know, pinch myself how lucky I was really at times. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for talking to us, John. No, you're welcome. Thanks, Brilliant. For the Thanks call. a lot. Really, really appreciate it. Cheers. Oh, he said some nice things there about <clears throat> Norwich, didn't he? He did. Well, we're going to talk about the night that he briefly mentioned. Obviously, he wasn't at the club, but the, the, I like that he said the players didn't boast about it. But they bloody well could, couldn't they? Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, it's one of the, not just of the 90s, but of the, yeah. of the European folklore, one of the biggest results, the only team to ever win at the Olympic Stadium. Go on, wax lyrical about Norwich and Bayern Munich. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. It, it is, when you look back, one of the iconic British European kind of stories, mm. really, and it 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 obviously was something that genuinely captivated the country, and I think it probably goes back to a time when there was less football on TV. Yeah. You saw less live games, so you watched the the British teams in Europe on TV, and, and probably got behind them in a way that you probably don't do in the same way now because there's so much football on yeah, TV. And true. I think yeah. people probably were almost watching Norwich for the first time mm. you know I suspect in that lovely kit as well <laughs> that incredible kit you know the previous year we'd done so well finishing third and almost winning the Premier League but unless you had Sky you know you wouldn't have been mm. watching um, those games live so it was an incredible opportunity for Norwich to show what they could do and, and for that period playing some unbelievable football and yeah what a story it was and, and what a goal I mean, we talked about goals yeah, last week on the podcast, and yeah. it wasn't just a, you know a, a scrappy tap in no. that Jeremy Goss goal, and it's will live down in his. That's what he's remembered for, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it's it's made him a legend, and it, it was so wonderful in a way that it happened to someone like Jeremy Goss because Goss had, had been at Norwich for about eight or nine years um, before those two seasons that kind of really changed his life. I imagine you know he'd been a, a hardworking player, he'd been in and out of the side 
played hundreds of games with a reserve team and, and never really got himself into that first team and, and Mike Walker picked him out put him in and gave him that responsibility mm. and he kind of grew into it and you know for a player like him you know that would have meant more to him than, than, than many players um, so it's fantastic that it happened to someone like Jeremy Goss and yeah what a goal what a goal and Scott what did he score in the other leg as well he, he did he scored, he did. He scored in both legs yeah. he, he scored obviously in the Olympic Stadium and he, he scored what turned out to be the winner mm. uh, at home at Cairo Road um, you dine well. on that don't you you dine out on that yeah. Yeah. You, you could retire after that do you think Scott that um, Bayern Munich would probably underestimate Norwich and like Don said because that there wasn't a blanket football coverage so they went in there and underestimated a club like Norwich yeah I think that's a typical kind of uh, German response to an English team I think I think at the time it was uh, yeah they would have looked at Norwich on paper and gone we can do them and uh, obviously they didn't which is uh, much to Norwich's credit and uh, no, it's nice to see that you know a team like that could have could go to to Munich and win when uh, the odds were against them. Um, I don't think you'd see a game like that now, to be honest. Well, it's dis- it's disappointing in this era that you can't imagine, could you, Billy, a team like Norwich making that sort of strides in Europe because to get even to get into Europe now is so much dominated by the bigger teams. Yeah, but I mean, even the. But the, the football they were playing in the Premier League and stuff was good football, passing, mm. move, counter-attack and, and quick. Um, and, yeah, like, like we've been saying, probably because they underestimated, didn't look at how Norwich were playing mm. and, and come a cropper. These days, it, there's so many like coaching staff scouting here, there and Football manager. And, yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> there's no st- stone left unturned and stuff. And, I mean, they the way that they can the smaller clubs don't get their chance in Europe as such or, or don't get recognised in Europe because at some point there's always someone the, the bigger teams are always going to get to the finals or or if they use their um, reserve sides to get to the final yep. they're going to stick in the bigger players for the and turn them over or in theory they should turn them over there's not many upsets these days mm. to, be, to be fair though on, you know, Norwich would have probably looked at that and gone you know we, this is about heart and desire on a night like that, you know, and uh, that's probably what won them the game more than anything. That was their final. Yeah, go, yeah. Go out. they went out the next round to Milan, didn't they? Into Milan. Yeah, I mean, we went out to Inter Milan, but what what gets largely missed in, in that is that actually Norwich outplayed Inter Milan for mm. both of those games, uh, and in particular, actually in the San Siro in the second leg. You know, I, I, I can remember watching this game and. I think I thought this was some sort of dream or twisting of reality until <laughs> people recently have also shared the same memory. But I actually watched this game at school. This game, we, our second leg at Inter Milan took place at about four o'clock ah. on a Tuesday afternoon. And no idea why, but it turns out apparently it was some sort of bank holiday in Italy. And this right. game kicked off at four o'clock with virtually Before nobody TV in the San Siro. Yeah. Yeah. And I was at school. My dad happened to be my teacher at the time. And I can remember after school... Um, whether we finished class a little bit early or something. <laughs> that was Christian. The giant TV being wheeled into the classroom. You know, remember when you were at school then, you used to get the big TV for the, the school. Jordy Racer coming well, on. Yeah, yeah. Jordy Racer was probably taken yeah. out and, and uh, on, went, uh, on went the match. And we watched it there. And, and actually, Effin Akuku missed, <laughs> missed a hat trick of sitters. And uh, Burkamp went up the other end and finished us off. But yeah, we proved it was no fluke because actually we probably should have put Inter Milan out in that round. Mm. What I always, and you might, as a Norwich fan, you may be able to answer this, so Mike Walker got the better of that night of players like Mateus Scholl, Helmer Ziga. Why didn't his magic, if you would, work, why did it work at Norwich, but not yeah. then in the bigger light at Everton? For, what in you as a Norwich fan? Yeah, it, it, it's a mystery. And, and actually, 
it's, it's a real shame that after leaving Norwich, you know, it didn't work from Everton, and really that was it yeah, for his career. Never heard of him I again. Mean, he came back to Norwich actually for a second spell later on in the nineties when you know the club was really down on its heels and there was no money and there were a lot of issues. Um, and he never managed another club. He actually ended up out in Cyprus, I think, um, working for one of the clubs out there and running a skip hire company um, uh, in <laughs> oh Suffolk, my. which is which is a real shame. And um, yeah, I, there's no doubt. What he produced over those two years w- was incredible. Uh, we'll never know why it didn't translate to Everton. Mm. It should have done. It's, a sh- it's, it's one of those. It's very interesting because, as we say, you don't hear from him even now into the no. pundit or anything no. like that. It's, it, we talked about this about George Graham a couple of weeks ago as well. Again, he's someone who's kind mm. of shied away from the line, like, even though he was so successful in the nineties. Um, but what? A, yeah, it was a memorable, memorable moment for, for Norwich. We're going to talk about a couple of moments now that don't really relate to the guys here, but were big moments European-wise uh, mm-hmm. for the clubs in Europe in the nineties. Um, Newcastle's we talked about this briefly with a Newcastle fan earlier in the season but their 3-2 win against Barcelona we mentioned Tino Spree already I mean it was some result wasn't it yeah, yeah I mean you say about United against the 91 side of Barca but um, but 96 uh, was 97 it was yeah, 97, 97 yeah. yeah I mean that so was so Luis Figo Barcelona yeah Figo about, Enrique yeah. And, and yeah uh, to do them was I mean I guess being at St James's was always going to be a, a help and being the first time what Newcastle must have been in Europe well in the Champions League Champions as, League as for it, sure yeah. Is, yeah yeah first and only time no. But yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, a teenage spirit that night. He didn't have many moments in a Newcastle shirt, unfortunately, that, mm. that were memorable. But that one, I always remember the celebration of the yeah. taking the shirt off, which he'd get booked for now, and, and spinning it yeah. around. And he was he was unplayable that night, wasn't he? Well, it was kind of the culmination of you know a period of three or four years when Newcastle probably became everybody's second yeah, favourite team. Definitely. I mean, there are, again, it feels like there's not many sides where that would happen now because you know it, it kind of feels a little bit different um, the way you kind of follow football now, but. I think Norwich for a while became everybody's second favourite team that year and I think under the Keegan years and, and kind of moving on um, even into some of the Bobby Robson times people loved watching Newcastle play because they just went for it and they were all about you know, attacking football um, and we'll score more goals and we'll concede and I think you know, people really really got behind that team mm, Yeah, it was a, a great, great performance Do you know what surprised me when I was looking at it earlier so Barcelona and Newcastle were in it was Group C of the Champions League that season they actually both didn't qualify mm. from yeah. the group and it was Demon Kiev and PSV so that will yeah. tell you <laughs> well, I bet there were some good players in that Kiev team Yeah, I, yeah I bet it was good odds that as well must have been yeah. Rebel and yeah. Shevchenko Yeah, it would have been that team in that oh. era Yeah, um, The next one we're going to mention And as soon as your, you mentioned your dad was a Chelsea fan This kind of relates to you in a certain way um, Their 1998 cut again, Cup Winners Cup I think we should bring back Hashtag bring back the Cup Winners Cup <laughs> That should be basically what we're starting tonight They're 1-0 I bet your dad in, enjoyed that one He certainly did I think he went to a few, uh, few of the games Throughout the campaign, but I think Chelsea deserved it that year. They were they had quite a good side. That was the beginning of the kind of new Chelsea, I suppose, as we know it now, yeah, wasn't it? Really? And I mean, if you look at some of the players that were in that team, they had struggles to get in a championship team. You know, in this day and age, players like Jody Morris, you know, I mean, he should be thanking his. I think Danny Granville played that night. Yeah. You know, they must. They must. <laughs> I don't know what Danny Granville's doing now, but if he wants to come on the pod and talk about it, he can. He can. But I, mem- I remember the throw about that game. Is that I think Zola wasn't in favour, if I remember. He was on the bench, and he came oh, off the bench and, and got the winner. And it was at a time when I think Viali was manager, and there was some kind of maybe healthy rivalry between the two. But they again, the Cummins Cup was a year, the last, the penultimate year of the Cummins Cup before it ended in 1999. Anyone know the final winners, of the Cup Winners Cup? Oh, that's a good question. 
Good question. Right? Valencia, I don't know. Lazio. Lazio yeah. won it in nineteen. Oh, okay. um, before we finish off with Man United and talk about the night in Barcelona, as Peter Jerry likes to remind us of every Champions League <laughs> night. Um, the only other thing I would have mentioned about uh, European nights for British clubs is uh, Graham Lasso, David Batty, Champions League punch up. Brilliant. <laughs> One of those moments that. <laughs> just happens every now and then usually involving David Batty who we know is quite a recluse these days but I remember as a kid watching that thinking it was unbelievable but we'll go yes to 1999 the end of the decade could you believe it Billy no not really <laughs> I mean we were dire that night we, we the way we got to the final was brilliant like, we had the, the the group of death of yeah. Bayern Barca people forget you had Bayern in the group yeah. stages first of all yeah I think we had Bayern, Barca and Bromby. Um, and then after that, Inter, mm. I think maybe. Um, and then Juve in the semis. Yeah, the we semi, had someone on Twitter I mean, uh, yeah, mentioned the, the, the semi. The, the semi was the, the, was the result. Yeah, uh, the Roy Keane night. That started giving some belief and stuff. Uh, yeah, the, the way Roy Keane carried on after getting that book in. He still blames Jesper Blomqvist. I think I think he still gives a mention of that. Like dodgy still, it gives Jesper Blomqvist something to shout about, doesn't it? <laughs> He's got a Champions League. He's got a Champions League. So is David May. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that the final. I do remember watching in a pub at college and stuff, and thought it was all over. Um, being outplayed, and then those that Fergie time was just unreal. Just. Schmeichel causing a nuisance and all I just remember is like toe pokes that's it just Solskjaer tapping it in but yeah um, it must have just meant to be that year because we should have won it more or we should have been in the final the previous years I mean going out Dortmund alright they won it the previous year but I think just got I just remember Andreas Muller as well, like looming from '96 against England. Yeah, that yeah, that pose and stuff. unlucky knack of, of getting to English. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, '99 was just something. Had, had special. you given up at 90 minutes? Uh, there's always that that belief where you think we can get something. Just get it to extra time. Yeah. We get get one, take it to extra time. But then to get those, those two in injury time, um, I it, went mental. Yeah, and I don't yeah. think it would. I mean. May United just made a habit of that as we all know and I don't think I can imagine another club doing it it's difficult no, I you don't I mean alright you see you see the goals coming maybe late 80s and stuff yeah. for certain clubs but to, for those for the clubs to win it in 90 plus minutes United do have a, a, a lucky knack of doing it yeah I mean to, for you mentioned earlier about supporting at mm. English teams. Were, were we still at that stage in 1990 for you? Do you know what? I'm going to ask the Arsenal fan in a minute. We'll probably get a different response. But at that time, I think I was what, well, 15, 16, something like that. Uh, I was oh no, I hate United. Oh, you know, don't want United to win. Blah blah. blah. You actually get to the end of that game. You were mental, of course. Yeah. Everyone did. How could you not? If you love football, you know, it was just meant to be, wasn't it? And uh, it, it was one of the great, great European stories. An Arsenal fan. It hurts me to say it, but you know, obviously at the time I hated everything to do with Man United. But you, you you can't help but take your hat off to that team. You know, they won it that night, and I think you know any up and coming player, you know, at Man United at any top level club should be shown that game. You know, as part as part of their sort of growing up, you know, in, in the game because it just showed everything about not giving up. Yeah, you know, don't give up. Playing, playing to the you know till that final whistle, you know, and just. <laughs> 
having that belief. And uh, I think, you know, the, that film that came out, you know, about the class of 92, mm. you know, for those, you know, superstars, you know, you've got people like David Beckham who, you know, he's a global superstar now, to still get emotional about that night, yeah. you know, it shows you that it meant so much to them. Absolutely. Do you think, as well, the last point, because we've been telling that his time is almost over, but... The, the term treble was never a thing no. for me in football. I'd never heard the treble no. until that season. It, it became like a thing, and now it's something that people go, oh, yeah, you can do the treble. Like, Bayern Munich did it a few seasons ago, and Milan have done it. It's, yeah, I, it I became mean, a thing, didn't it? Was it Liverpool a couple of years? Was it before or after? No, they did the... They, they did sort of the... the, the, the you the, lot call it the Mickey Mouse treble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the dodgy treble, yeah. that was. Uh, <laughs> but do the three... Oh, yeah, the FA Cup is the main cup. The Europe, win the league and win Europe's biggest prize yeah, is... That was... I think that was the first time anyone had yeah. done it. Um, and it became And then all of a, a sudden, Barca and Bayern... And that's what all kicked it, it off. It was yeah. that year when... Because no one ever thought it was possible. It's such a slog to do all three. That, and that be, and became but, uh, a thing. And then to have the... Cup final and then the Euro- European Cup final within the within a week as yeah. well, or was it the last game of the season and the Cup? Yeah, final? it was all within a very around. small time yeah. of each other. Yeah, so those those three big games because they had to win that last game yeah. of the season as well. Um, was was a special finish. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it was something that they could have end up potless really if they lost to Tottenham, lost to Newcastle. But yeah, it was to be. It was to be. And on that note, we have to finish. So I'd just like to thank my guests. Thank you, Billy. Thank you, Cheers Dog. Us. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for coming on. And until um, next week, hashtag keep it 90s. This podcast is a West 12 Media and Burble Media production. Alive and Kicking is proudly supported by Classic Football Shirts, the home of classic, rare, and retro football shirts. For 100% genuine, non reproduction retro shirts, head to classicfootballshirts.co.uk and use the bonus code AK90s to receive a 10% discount on your order.